Welcome to the Body Science Podcast. As always, the information contained in this podcast is for the information purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or be prescriptive to treat, prevent, or manage any injury, disease, or other health-related condition. Welcome to Body Science HQ, the world of fit, happy, healthy. And this week, I've got one of the legends of the AFL here. He's done his time. Selwyn Griffith is from Melbourne Demons Football Club. Mate, and you're the, it's called the performance manager. That's correct, Greg. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mate, before we rip into about you and, and, and your background, what is a performance manager for those out there that are going, what, what, is, what does that actually mean? So in the AFL, the high performance manager roles probably evolved over the last 10 to 15 uh, years. But basically, it's uh, the role that oversees the sports science, uh, medical strength and conditioning and nutrition space within a performance program. So I basically I manage each of those areas. Um, within that and then basically part of my role is to facilitate how those services then ensure that we're um, creating an elite football team within the Australian Rules uh, Football League. And I've got to ask a question. You're, you're an ex-Gold Coast, Gold Coaster? How did a yeah, Gold Coaster yeah. get a gig with a Melbourne team in Victoria? Like, how does that happen? Yeah, well, grew up, grew up, born and bred in Melbourne, and uh, oh, so you're a Melbourne boy through and through, okay? Yeah, yeah, but lived, um, lived on the Gold Coast uh, for a number of years, and then obviously, um, once my role at Brisbane became more permanent, then uh, relocated from the Gold Coast to Brisbane. But yes, lived on on the Gold Coast for um, four to five years. That's when I was predominantly working as an osteopath. Uh, prior to really, I guess, stepping into more of that performance and rehab. Uh, role, which was was part of my evolution at, at Brisbane Lions before transitioning back down to Melbourne. And mate, how do you make that transition from that role you just mentioned through to being high performance manager? Like, what what did that mean for you, in, like personally? It was early on. One of the reasons I, I studied osteopathy was because I had a passion for sport. I uh, had a passion for better understanding how the human body worked, and I was fortunate enough to get exposure to an osteopath during my amateur and uh, sporting career and 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 saw a real benefit from that and that was part of my pathway and it wasn't until I got exposure into the Brisbane Lions where I actually started there just helping out as a massage therapist it was my initial role so I'd drive from the Gold Coast uh, to um, to Brisbane uh, massage for about two hours and then drive back and and it was about um, getting exposed to, to high performance environment because when you're working in private practice, uh, you are dictated by, I guess, the client who works through the door and, and each of those clients have different motivations. Some people are wanting to come in to, to an osteopath uh, to be fixed on the spot in that one session and then you may not ever see them again. Other people are really engaged in possibly you know, short-term, medium-term or long-term um, injury management or, or health management. And so the motivation for me was if I could develop my skill set to be more employable within a high performance setting, then I felt like that was going to constantly challenge me to um, be better, uh, not only as an osteopath, but thinking more holistically about how you develop an, an athlete, how you continue to uh, progress an athlete through their, their sporting career. And um, yeah, the, the medical knowledge of an osteopath was just a fantastic foundation for that. But I learned pretty quickly, uh, stepping into the high performance space, that, that that would pigeonhole me in, in one particular area. And as we know, physiotherapy is, is such a prominent manual therapy or allied service within Australia that I knew pretty quickly if I was to want to stay in high performance sport for a long time that I wouldn't be able to just do it as an osteopath and I'd need to, to step away from, I guess, being a specialist and become more of a, 
a generalist. Yeah, nice. Were you working when you were at Brisbane Lions? Were you with Dr. Mack and Spitzy? Were they both there in the yeah. with you? My my initial time at, at Brisbane, Dr. Mack was there. Uh, Dirk uh, Spitz came on uh, a number of years later, but yeah, Dr. Mack was there uh, under Brett Burton, and uh, when we were working there with Matt Hass as well. Um, yeah, we had a phenomenal performance and medical team. It's a pretty cool a team. P- yeah, had, we had a few of his PhD students in, and and he was fantastic at when you talk about um, the innovation uh, and application of sports science and, um, you know, ensuring that you go through a thorough process to identify what's important within that realm. He was always exposing us to, to new ideas and new innovations, but then also really robust ways of testing whether or not that was something that was going to add value to our program. So it was a pretty cool time um, when I first started at Brisbane and I feel very fortunate for for the role that I um, started in there and then was just fortunate enough to be able to progress um, across a number of years into a into a number of different roles. Yeah, and look, just between a couple of mates here, like how did Dirk Spitz get a job there? Like seriously. <laughs> no, well, Dirk obviously I love Dirk. In, He's in, one of my good mates. In, yeah. in rugby and, and tennis and um, at the time then uh, Damien Austin, our high performance manager, who's still the high performance manager there. Yeah, we had a, a bit of a reshuffle within our high performance and medical department and and Dirk uh, Spitz and Peter Blanche were two people that, that stepped into different roles. And yeah, it was an evolution um, within the the high performance team there, which um, then created a really robust team, which I was fortunate to be a part of. So yeah, no, and now Dirk uh, stepped back out and uh, back into the tennis world. So yeah, he's loving it there um, too. I told yeah. my doctor about 20 odd weeks ago and I rang him up and I said, mate, told my doctor, he goes, oh, you should go see a physio. Like, <laughs> Good bloke, okay, like. Yeah, just lean on a mate a little bit, Easy. see how it goes. Speaking <laughs> of that, like at that at that point when I had a torn adductor and all the things I had, I really wanted to get the right advice and get the right direction because, I mean, that injury for me was almost crippling. Like it, I couldn't see past it to be really honest because it was so painful. Yeah, so fuck you, Dirk. Um, but outside, <laughs> yeah, I hope you hear it too, mate. From a performance and conditioning perspective, how important is your division like that that group of people in an AFL team like we talk about sponsors and we talk about key players all the time but we never really talk about that part of the cog of the AFL machine how much value is that given by internally by um, clubs yeah I, I think every club is slightly different and, and you know the that comes down to your culture and your environment and, and it is driven by your head coach and and what tends to be the other um, key leader within um, most AFL clubs, which is your GM of football performance or your, your general manager of football. And so they, they're two key drivers within that, within the environment and the culture. And, and we're really fortunate at the Melbourne Demons to have two fantastic leaders within both of their roles. And the, when you, we talk about injury, the issue that comes with a lot of performance and medical departments is that externally, uh, if you have uh, lots of injuries or you have minimal injuries, uh, when it's lots of injuries, it seems to be the medical team and the performance team's fault. And when, when there's not many injuries, it's kind of, oh, they've got a good program. But in reality, the, the important factor in it is to understand that everyone within the organization owns injury. Yeah. And we all have a role to play because our my role is to facilitate the best program to build the most robust and resilient list to play the way that our head coach wants to play. So that 
our the way that we condition, the way that we uh, rehabilitate our athletes is so that they can play the Melbourne Demons brand of football. And at, at every eight, at all eighteen football clubs. That's slightly different. The head coach and, and how they will want to play is slightly different. But I'm really clear um, from what our head coach, Simon Goodwin, dictates is how we want to play the Melbourne Demons brand of football. And then that influences how our strength and power program is written, how our conditioning program is written, and then how our rehab program is written. So when you talk about initial injury there, what our key factor is is, is returning that athlete to be able to play AFL standard football as quickly and as safely as possible. And so we've got uh, enormous trust uh, from our coaches and, and our administration to be able to facilitate that. And then my role is to um, assist whatever staff whose key responsibilities they are to ensure that they've got the resources um, and they've got the time to devote to that athlete to try to accelerate that process and progress that process as quickly as possible. So you, let's talk about yourself and the ductus strain. We're looking to, once that diagnosis is made, what are our uh, next stages to firstly get you out of pain, improve your function, and then start to progress you as quickly from that um, as safely as possible. And if, if it is determined that um, the severity of that injury is medium term or long term, so let's say greater than four weeks or greater than six weeks, then how do we develop a holistic plan around that so that you're not just focused on how do I get my adductor right? All right how do we ensure that if you've got an upper body strength deficit, if you've got a conditioning deficit, if you've got something that's stopping you from playing the Melbourne Demons brand of football, how do we elevate that within that time period? And that, that becomes part of our role that then we bring coaches into that discussion when necessary. So that's I love what you've just said then. So from a point of view, when, when we run a business, we have a fairly agile plan, but I use the word, but it pretty well sticks to plan most of the year. For you, how do you adapt to like? Do you do you slot in in your strategies? We're going to have X number of injuries. Like, how do you work this program so that you can give you know your individual players the best they need, and but you're also looking at things that people aren't even thinking of, like positions and then where they are in a team and the whole. How do you do that? Like, do you have a magic wand you throw around and crystal ball? I wish. I, I wish it, a lot of it comes to crossing your fingers that the AFL gives you a good draw and a good schedule because yeah. um, your mm. schedule dictates a lot of that. And yeah. uh, we uh, have had a schedule that has um, compromised some of our ability to do that. But we've also looked to be agile within our schedule to, especially if I talk about our mid-season bye, we played um, four games in five weeks. So we had three 10-day wow. breaks. So typically in your mid-season bye, You'll play a game, you'll get 12 to 14 days off, and then you play another game. So it actually works nicely. You can give guys four to five days off, which a lot of our athletes need these days from a mental decompression and physical decompression perspective. Unfortunately, we weren't able to necessarily offer that because of of the turnaround. So you can't go, all right, after that game, we'll give you six days because that means you've only got a four-day lead into your next game. So then you compromise their ability to prepare for that. Um, so we we looked at that really holistically and and um, we were really tactical about ensuring our guys could get enough time off across a three- to four-week period. But within that, we we're also looking at how can we 
elevate our training exposure to build that resilience and that robustness. And when you talk about athletes that are possibly dealing with rehab or injury, some of the communication with them is in that period, uh, your schedule will be different to what the main group schedule is because if we follow what the main group's doing, you could lose a day or two here or there, which then could be the difference between you returning to play within three weeks or, or four weeks, depending on how quickly we can progress an athlete through that. So we are pretty transparent. We try to work with the athlete because as well, you don't want them to uh, just be working seven days a week thinking, yeah, you know, that, that, that they don't get any um, opportunity to step away from, from their training and, and their rehab. But if you can heighten their understanding of what's important within small windows and how that could possibly allow them to do more the following day, then uh, we've got a phenomenal playing group that are so bought into that process and, and so clear on that understanding. And, and at the end of the day, we want all of our players to be available because the best thing from a team dynamics and a team success perspective is having majority, if not all, of your players available to train together and to challenge each other together and that will build robustness and resilience but not a, not only that it, it enhances that team dynamics aspect which is so important when you have players come in come out of the team uh, that's where you can have that inconsistency unfortunately so that is part of our role yeah. we, uh, unfortunately it'd be nice to say we'd have 44 athletes available every week but that's not the case um, unfortunately because um, luck uh, is part of it but definitely we're striving to have as many players available for training throughout the week um, because we know that that's the foundation for our performance on the weekend. How, look, I don't know if you're allowed to answer this or not, but how do you track and measure? Is that, a, is that yeah, an internal we, secret or is that? Uh, oh, there's, there's, you know, your traditional objective and subjective measures that GPS is obviously yep. a key proponent of that. Uh, but we definitely, when we talk about that mental decompression and the psychological stress, we have um, looked at a few different strategies, both objectively and subjectively, to better understand that because I think we are, you know, now the, the progression of sports science is understanding outputs. You know, you can force plates are easily accessible, um, different forms of force cells to measure hip strength, hamstring strength, groin strength are, are all really accessible, but they're all an output. And so how do we better understand what's happening internally, physiologically? Because sometimes, you, you know, you can still, based on the environment that we're in, where these guys are highly competitive and constantly challenged day in, day out, they can, they can cheat a test, they can cheat um, an assessment uh, from an output perspective, but that doesn't necessarily give you an insight into whether or not internally, they physi- physiologically, they they may be struggling. And so, yeah, that's that's probably where we've got a few assessments there that that are, are maybe a little bit sensitive when you talk about Dr. Mack and innovation. That that's a that's a realm where we're 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 trying to be innovative and and looking at different ways to to try to better identify that. And we're really fortunate we've got. A PhD student, Sam Joseph, on board with through ACU that his project is looking at the impact of stress on factors that affect performance. So that's that's only just in its infancy at the moment, but that'll be something that evolves over the next three to four years, which will hopefully have us at the competitive edge of better understanding how those dynamics work because it is still relatively unknown. You know, wellness questionnaires, some subjective assessments are 
something that's been uh, really common practice and, and we definitely utilize those. But from time to time, you know, athletes are also human beings and, and yeah, so exactly. being, von- be- being vulnerable and, and being open to saying you're struggling can, can sometimes be a challenge for certain individuals. So, you know, that's where another arm of, of I guess, our not directly under my management, but certainly uh, an area within our organisation that is really well resourced is our welfare department with a sports psychologist and um, a player development manager. And those, those two I I work closely with in trying to better understand how we can create an environment to allow our athletes to thrive and respect that not every athlete is the same, How but it's, it's that? a constant awesome. challenge, and and you know there's there's privacy that that goes into that. So I definitely know that there's things that, that will be disclosed to them that they can't share with me, and so I just am trying to constantly better understand the energy and the environment of our playing group, uh, and our coaches are phenomenal as well. We've got uh, we're really fortunate that our playing group is um, really engaged in that and been really transparent in. Um, we we trust each other to if if someone's struggling we we will give them the time off and and we will ensure that the person comes before uh, the athlete. That is so good to hear. How good is that? Like that's I'm going to clap that in. That's um something really good here because you know you just hear about so much burn burnout like and it's not just what happens in the gym and at training on the field. It's the shit that goes on 24 hours on phones. Like it's to, oh. to be an athlete now is just like a commitment to you. Like it's something amazing. Yeah. Well, no, and you, you talk before about sponsors and, you know, commercialization, you know, um, I'm only talking about what we can control yeah, exactly. within, uh, in, within the organization, you, you know, the impact of managers or those sorts of things, which uh, these athletes are brands. And so, you know, I, um, I, can't control what what it is that they want to do in in evolving their brand and so that's part of our education process of if we feel that possibly elements of that are, are compromising their ability to to you know be energized and things like that then um it's not necessarily my role to um have that conversation with them, but it's definitely a conversation that is had across the organization about um uh, you know are we giving enough time to our players to develop externally um, and put time and energy into what's important to them, whether that be family, friends, hobbies, study, and those sorts of things. Yeah, nice. Look, um, you're talking about people and positions. Where does the athlete nutrition fit into this? Like that was one one of your portfolios, I think you said in the beginning of the podcast. So how, how important is it to, to look at an AFL player and try to dictate their nutrition? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot it's harder a, than it sounds it, just so it, everyone knows <laughs> oh, it, it is it, it is really hard and we've we identified a couple of years ago that our performance nutrition space was something that we needed to increase resources and, and increase um, revenue through and we've got a fantastic sports dietitian in Lisa Middleton who um, manages that space and um, it, it's a really interesting space as you know the nutrition space mm. because there is so much information out there that that is at your fingertips you talk about social media for so for us it's about educating them on what's best for performance and because you have the aesthetics component you have the body composition component you have um body imagery and and those elements which all play a factor and um in uh the education process and and the thing that's important for our athletes is all right this is about um providing a nutrition 
pathway for you to own your decisions and understand how it's going to benefit your performance, whether that be, as we spoke about, identifying an athlete who needs that increased lean muscle mass, uh, possibly an athlete that needs to reduce some fat mass to assist with, you know, possibly their acceleration or their their, their conditioning. And, and so, yeah, it is very much an individualized approach. There are certain elements within uh, the nutrition space, you know, that we encourage across, um, diff- you know, either players with uh, possibly previous tendon injuries or, or who are managing tendons where, you know, there'll be recommendations around collagen use and, and other supplements and those sorts of things. Yep. And, and so we see that education as being really important once again to allow them to train more frequently and build that resilient and robustness. And that. So that's where it, it comes to a lot of our education is about um, healthy eating habits, uh, performance, and what's going to assist you to build uh, resilience and robustness, and then um, allowing for athlete decision-making themselves. So, yeah, Lisa will build a program for, for athletes around that. You know, we have a chef who comes in once a week to prepare meals, and, and her and Lisa have worked really hard on then also when the menu comes out, what are the reasons that certain ingredients are being used, anti-inflammatory foods. And so yeah, it's cool. trying to, to use each part of our week to, as, a, as another form of education because it's just it's those micro doses of information, especially in the nutrition space and especially when there's so many different um, bits of information around diets and fads and and those sorts of things and no what we're trying. Inputs there. Yeah. <laughs> and so what we're just trying to create an environment that it's a sustainable uh, eating habits, you know, that, that are there for promoting performance and and yeah, as we know, food um, can have a massive impact on your psychological state and your energy as well. So it, it's it's not just performance; it's it's all of those factors, and um, it's con- it's a constant uh, process and evolution, and and it it goes through definitely even. What, what we try to do is around our schedule is identify, okay, if we're in six-day turnarounds or lots of travel, how do we then microdose information around what sorts of foods um, or if there's any supplements that we think are beneficial for sleep um, or for, for post-game nutrition, then, you know, we will have that available uh, to the players. And, and then at the end of the day, it's a choice. We, we never force them to take anything or, or to um, trial anything they don't want to but it yep. just becomes that ed- education process of like i mentioned before the collagen for tendon athletes you know research around watermelon uh, juice post-exercise for athletes and so it's just those sorts of little things which lisa is at the forefront of, of that sort of research as well so it's a pretty good resource to have in in our field hi i'm tom green olympic champ from tokyo and if you want the best tasting protein bars on the market you should try the new body science moose range greg you better be testing those mate they're getting drug tested got you covered well, i've got to ask a question how do you stay up to date with all the, the latest advancements in sports science? And I'm not just talking stuff to date with it. How do you incorporate that into your team programs and the timing of that? I mean, how do you do it? Yeah, well, I guess the staying up to date. Uh, so having Sammy, you know, a PhD student in-house, they, they're constantly reading literature and reviewing it. Our head of sports science, Nick Murray, is a phenomenal data scientist scientist and sports scientist so he as well will will bring information to the table for us to discuss and then um, you know you mentioned a few of the names before in regards to Spitzy and Dr Mack and those other people in the industry because you know AFL is quite insular and and so 
internationally how do you better understand what people in America or Europe are doing and, and who are who may be at the forefront of, of high performance sport. And so those those connections and those relationships are really powerful as well to help expose you to, to possibly what other sports are trialing. And then when you, I guess, uh, engage in a new technology or possibly, you know, some form of assessment, you've got to go through the rigors of testing it in in a time and a place that is not going to compromise the athlete yeah, or performance point. and and so that that may be that you are doing that with your staff initially and you're, you're testing the robustness of that technology on staff uh, or you know if you do have an athlete who is in long-term rehab that allows you to possibly yeah, use okay. a technology yeah. for mul- multiple testing points that you know isn't going to have a negative impact on their on their reconditioning then that could be a time to to uh, utilize that as well and and so yeah it's looking for sometimes it's the off season and, and you just need to to know that um that that is something you can't just implement in season or in pre-season you've got you got to go through a, a rigorous approach to that uh, but the question you have to ask yourself is are you is that piece of technology or is that new um innovation uh, making someone's job easier or giving us better information about how we're preparing Melbourne Demons footballers to play the Melbourne Demon game plan because if it doesn't answer those questions then it's not worth entertaining and, and that, that's that's my role in in part of that discussion if, if people within our department or even external to our department bring something to to us to explore that's what we need to that's the question we need to ask ourselves you talked about the AFL crew and and, and chatting with Spitzy and Dr. Mac. Joseph Coyne's a mate of yours as well. Yep. Did he have some good stories in that space from his time in China with the Olympic yeah, team? No, Coyne, <laughs> yeah, Coyne and I spoke uh, numerous times when he was in China uh, with the Olympic team and then yeah. when he went to the UFC and, and um, more recently now that he's back um, in Casarina Cabarita as well, Living caught up dream. with him. Um, yeah, so no, he's, he's a fantastic resource, um, you know, to, to lean on in regards to his exposure to different athletes um, and different environments and, and you know that's where we talked when we spoke earlier about the culture and the environment and, and the impact that that can have on what you do with your athletes you know what what better person to learn from who's been exposed to um an, a culture and environment of pushing athletes to the extreme and having some elite performers uh both within the ufc and and obviously um chinese track and field so yeah he definitely had a few good stories I bet um, he did. <laughs> but but also some great insights into possibly you know you, you're not going to develop an AFL athlete into a track sprinter, but how can you um, develop their efficiency and their robustness to to what our, the game of AFL is now, which is repeat high speed, high intensity running? And so, yeah, there's little things you can learn along the way from that. So, he's uh, always good for for a good chat, that's for sure. Yeah, good man, actually. There's probably a lot of young kids out there that aspire to have your role one day. What are some of the biggest challenges that you face in the high performance world, like and especially the AFL high performance world? It's a it's a competitive environment environment there's only 18 teams which means there's only 18 of my roles in in australia and um you know i think more and more since the covid period performance and medical departments are relatively smaller than what they were prior to COVID due to um, soft cap restrictions and just due to to other um, elements that are out of our control. And so the element that I spoke about earlier in regards to I was a specialist early on in my career as an osteopath and in that medical um, allied health space. And 
I quickly understood that for me to be able to uh, be more employable and stay employed within AFL, I needed to become a bit more of a generalist while knowing that that medical background could create a foundation for, for my development. So the, the understanding of the sports science, the strength and conditioning and how uh, they are intertwined, uh, I think created the foundation for me to allow me to evolve within the Brisbane Lions. And then it it gave me the opportunities to uh, build connections and networks within the industry, which um, was kind of how my role eventuated at, at Melbourne Demons prior to becoming performance manager was was employed here as the head of strength and conditioning, looking after um, that space and, and our return to play rehab space. So that that was definitely the, the rehab area was somewhere where I began to probably uh, narrow that generalised um, field to based on the medical knowledge and and then the strength and conditioning and so that's probably an element in regards to um, people who are going through university at the moment or who have just finished university is just understanding where their strengths are and, and possibly where their growths are and, and ensuring that your strength still stays your strength because that will probably be your primary or initial employment uh, yeah. whether that be um, at the, the lower leagues of, of VFL or, um, you know, within some academies or, or the TAC Cup, if we're talking about um, from an AFL perspective. And then it's better understanding how you can um, shape that strength with with some of those growth areas. So if we're talking about physiotherapists or osteopaths, um, you know, how can they improve their understanding and their knowledge of uh, strength and power or sports science to allow themselves to 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 be more employable within a number of roles rather than just being pigeonholed into one possible role. Nice. Your role, um, head of him performance, do you see a lot of AI stepping into that in the future? It's uh, it's something we've discussed definitely, I think, in regards to the data science space and, and probably the evolution of, of um, wearables and, and how much information you can gain out of wearables and, and whether or not um, that assist in better understanding you know when I talk about that internal physiological element and we only have the athletes for a couple of hours a day so what what are the other elements outside of let's say we we have an athlete for half a day um, from uh, eight till 12 what is then their 12 till eight look like and how does that have an impact on what then you're planning for the next day so I th- definitely think there's there is an element there that the element of AFL, the 360-degree sport, 18 athletes on a field. So I think the complexity of that sport, you know, there, obviously there's closed-chain skills and breakdown that, that may, um, I think there's an evolution there that, that it possibly could assist with in better understanding, you know, the ideal technique for goal kicking and and things like that. But um, there is a big human element to what we do and um, and how we interact with with our athletes into better understanding how they're coping with the stresses both physically and, and psychologically or psychosocially within our environment that I don't think AI will be able to replace. But there's probably, once again, it comes down to are there elements of it that can make us more efficient? Yeah. Um, and that, that would be the question that we'll continue to, to ask ourselves internally is, 
can it make certain elements of our program more efficient to give us information more readily available to assist our decision making process yeah that's epic mate I know I use it a lot now to summarise stuff for me <laughs> someone throws me a research paper I go give me for 10 points <laughs> I love it yeah, I'm all yeah, over yeah. Like, yeah it's not always right though look it's been great yep. chatting it's um we've loved having you guys on board as one of the team here at Body Science you know Body Science has been a great addition within when I talk about our performance nutrition program it's something that the boys have loved having on board uh, and just the products as well they've, they've loved having it's definitely supporting us from that element to, to get more out of our group and so thanks for having me on today not a worry we'll catch up soon and talk about what's coming next thanks for yeah, jumping perfect. on appreciate thanks, it Greg. cheers